So we've gathered here to practice meditation for one full day and it's been an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves uh, better through practicing um, restraint, practicing composing our body, speech and mind. Um, we've come to see the nature of our own mind more closely. We can see how it moves about <coughs> what it's been thinking of, the different mental states that have been coming and going. We can see how sometimes it starts planning and getting caught up into uh, imagination and fantasizing about the future. Sometimes it dwells and hangs on to the past and keeps thinking about that. <coughs> so now we might see the need to develop a regular Dhamma practice and to put effort into this. Uh, we come here today for a one full day to, to do this, to practice in the monastery together and put many hours into this. But what we have to do is take this experience back with us, what we've learnt and try to develop it on a regular daily basis. If you have some kind of regular Dhamma practice as part of your daily routine, this would be good. If you maybe have a time once in the morning or in the evening or even both where you sit down, set aside your time for some chanting, chanting of Buddhist teachings and reflections and then perhaps develop some meditation at the same time, that would be very good could even do it for a, as a whole family together once a day. And of course, in your daily activities, try to maintain uh, mindfulness and clear comprehension of what you're doing and keep returning to mindfulness throughout your day. And you'll find that little by little, your sattā, your faith and confidence in the practice and in your own ability to practice will gradually grow and become firm and out of this, all this skillful effort, wholesome effort, then samadhi, the peace of mind, the states of peace and stillness will gradually develop. At first we have to rely on the precepts and our basic restraint of body and speech to um, help us in the practice, and just to keep our negative emotions and uh, actions at in a, to compose the mind and, and keep our negative emotions from falling into our behavior. We have to learn how to restrain our anger and any sort of selfish behavior that might come out in our speech and actions um, so that it doesn't come to uh, harm others or cause, be a cause for suffering. As we do this, then little by little, our personal sense of peace and self-confidence will grow and again our faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha will grow and in the path of practice it will grow out of this. So when we leave here it's still uh, a holiday period for most of us so that's a good chance for us to use our free time to continue our practice of Dhamma. Um, this is necessary because as we know from our past experience our mind over and over again tends to fall under the influence of avicca, 
ignorance or misunderstanding of the truth. With this misunderstanding of truth, this feeds and gives rise to craving, which gives rise to attachment and to all the associated suffering that comes from that. Ignorance is what feeds the kilesa, the mental defilements, and these, um, in their coarsest form, manifest as these three fetters, the sakaya ditti, this view of one's body and mind as a permanent self. Silapata Bharamasa, the attachment to wrong modes of practice, and wichikicca, uncertainty and doubt about the practice. But through the experience of letting go and of our attachment through the practice, we can start to erode away these fetters. But we have to really practice through developing mindfulness and wisdom on a regular basis. This is what will give rise to that certain kind of knowledge, uh, the nature of the way things are, the way truth is. And that's where we'll come to find the Buddha within our own mind, when we see the true nature of things, of conditions. This truth doesn't alter, doesn't change whether a Buddha arises in the world or not. This truth is always there. It's the truth. Um, But if we want to understand it, we have to understand this mind. Uh, We have to see, find the way to finally abandon ignorance through the development of mindfulness and wisdom and then we'll be able to free this mind from suffering. They compared the Buddha sometimes to being like a baby chicken. In one previous life he was even born as a chicken and he said the Buddha is like a baby chicken that is breaking out of its egg using its new beak to peck a hole through the egg, the eggshell, so that it can get out and throw off the shelf, the shell. This is like the mind of the Buddha throwing off avicca, little by little using the Eightfold Path, Sila, Samadhi and Panya to peck through, or break through avicca, like the baby chicken pecking through the eggshell. And then he was able to bring the Dhamma to teach to us, having brought, illuminated his mind with wisdom and bringing it to full understanding, he could bring that to teach us. So the Dhamma is never out of date, even though the Buddha himself was enlightened thousands of years ago. The teachings and the truths he's pointing to are still as relevant today as ever. If we are willing and we have the faith to use the Eightfold Noble Path as our mode of practice, then it can bring us to transcend suffering, just as the Buddha and other enlightened disciples experienced. We use the Eightfold Noble Path to develop wisdom and insight into our own experience so that we can understand how to purify this mind. Just as that uh, disciple of the Buddha, Venerable Subhata, compared uh, the moon to the mind He looked up at the moon in the sky and compared that when the moon, the full moon, is covered over with clouds, goes behind the clouds. This is like when the kilesa take over the mind, they darken it and blemish the mind, covering up its natural radiance. But through the practice of the Eightfold Noble Path, this is what illuminates the mind and as if clears away the clouds until... um, 
the mind, the, the radiant mind become, emerges from behind them. So we can see that a well-trained mind is uh, it's what the Buddha had. He, he trained his mind and it's what we have to do. And that's what will bring us to the point where we're free from suffering. It, the power of the Dhamma will illuminate the mind to the point where there's no more suffering in it. But it has to be well trained, well practiced with mindfulness and wisdom. Uh, this will bring us true happiness. We have to use mindfulness over and over again to guard and look after the mind. Just like the uh, farmer who has to look after his cattle when they're out grazing so that they don't stray into the fields that still have crops in like rice fields. He has to keep watching on them that they just eat the grass that doesn't matter and that they don't ruin the good crops by eating them. He has to be very vigilant. We too have to be vigilant and keep looking over after our minds. We have to keep using this reflection on the uncertainty of phenomena, physical and mental phenomena. They're all uncertain or we say not sure. We can apply this reflection to our moods and our thoughts and it's not sure. Our mental states are constantly changing. Our moods change. They come and go. They're not sure. One who practices like this, <clears throat> who is vigilant and keeps reflecting on the impermanence of their experience, will be able to free themselves from Mara's trap. That symbolic description of the way which are the ignorance and the kalesas traps us in the world and in suffering but through the practice of mindfulness and insight we can free ourselves from this trap at first it's difficult but then through efforts into, put into the practice and through developing some experience and understanding in the practice we'll come to see that it is possible to experience a mind free from suffering we can find the results from this practice the kind of results that the Buddha was pointing to. We can come to see the Dhamma of the Buddha and that, that it is true, it is real. So we must put as much effort as we can into the practice to develop mindfulness in our daily lives and direct this to this very body and mind that we have here until the Buddha arises within us. So through the practice we're building the Buddha within us, meaning the brightness of the mind, <clears throat> the mind that is illuminated by the power of the Dhamma, seeing the Dhamma. Little by little as we practice, this brightness, this illuminating light grows within us. But we'll notice whenever we drop our practice of mindfulness, then it's as if the darkness starts to return or the clouds return to cover over the mind. So we must endeavor to maintain, to bring up mindfulness, maintain it, not let the mind fall into its moods of liking and disliking. We must first of all use the boundary, the limits of our sila, practice of precepts, just to keep the composure and restraint of the mind in check and uh, to keep the mind in check so that we're not caught into too much suffering and then keep developing mindfulness and wisdom on the inside to bring the mind back to this quality of upeka, detached knowing or equanimity where the mind stays in the middle 
not falling into moods of aversion or um, attraction, liking or disliking. This is the quality that's needed if you are to develop the factors of enlightenment, bojanga. As we practice like this, then there may be periods when pity and sukha arise, different experiences of rapture and joy in the practice. Maybe thinking of the Buddha and the Dhamma that he taught will bring tears of rapture to the mind, bring a great sense of lightness of body and mind come up in the practice. Might bring a great sense of faith and confidence in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha as we practice. All of these kinds of experiences are the food for the heart. And out of this grows our firmness of mind, this ability to firmly concentrate the mind, the practice of samadhi. With this, it's our firm foundation for the development of insight through contemplation. These two things support each other. Sometimes the samadhi supports the arising of wisdom. Sometimes the wisdom supports the arising of samadhi. Sometimes we might practice with a, a simple meditation object like a mantra, like the Buddha, mantra buddho. But whatever we do, we can't stay with that object. Keep, the mind keeps slipping away into distraction, wandering around or caught into its moods. So at that, those times we might have to use more wisdom to contemplate direct the mind to contemplate this body, to see its 32 parts, the different component parts. Contemplate the four elements, or one of the four elements. Apply the three characteristics in the contemplation of impermanence, the unsatisfactoriness, and the lack of self in these phenomena to the mind, to our experience. And little by little this might lead to the mind settling down, quietening down through this development of wisdom and insight. If we contemplate often and deeply like this, it can be the cause for samadhi to arise. And from that, this will support the deepening of our insight. Others do find they can use a samatha object and just really concentrate on buddho, for instance. If you're using an object like buddho, this word buddho, then your aim is to maintain mindfulness, mindful awareness of buddho at every moment. So if you're reciting this word buddho in conjunction with the breathing, then every breath, in and out breath, you're aiming to keep buddho in mind. If you're walking meditation, then you're aiming to keep buddho in mind every step of your walking not to leave a space where the mind can slip off into different kinds of mental proliferation and daydreaming and so on. Once you've established your mindfulness, the mind will quieten down and become still. It will finally get a rest from all that mental proliferation and thinking. And we can use this stillness to contemplate, to, to really penetrate these qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta, in our experience. And this is what will bring us to abandon the first three fetters that tie us to the world and to the round of samsara. This is where we'll see the Buddha within us. If we can abandon these three fetters, Sakaya Ditti, Sila Patabharamasa and Wichikitya, then at most there'll be seven more lifetimes for us. There'll be no eighth life for us. We'll be that close to Nibbana. 
So we must now really determine to dedicate ourselves, our lives, to the practice of the Dhamma. We have our faith, so now we must really use it. We must decide to practice for the benefit of ourselves and others. We can see that the things of this world are very impermanent and uncertain. Uh, We can teach ourselves this, really come to see this for ourselves, and this will bring us energy to keep putting energy into the practice to develop more mindfulness and to bring up this insight that will lead to the development of the Buddha within us. As this quality of Dhamma or the Buddha, Buddha Dhamma grows within us, then the three fetters will gradually fade away or be abandoned and will clearly penetrate the Dhamma that the Buddha taught. Before I was a monk, I had the faith to practice the Buddhist teachings as a lay person. I regularly offered dana to the sangha, uh, put food in their bowls on Bindabhata, went to the monastery and made offerings and listened to Dhamma. I regularly kept the five precepts and often the eight precepts and I would meditate every day. Practicing like this, I got to the point where I could really see the impermanent nature of this life to see that all things that are in this world are really just impermanent. Uh, They arise and pass away. And I came to see that death is really the only certainty in, in life. This insight came so deep, became so profound for me, it came, penetrated deeply into my own consciousness, into my heart. Uh, just as the just as we chant Pachatang Veditabo in Yuhi, the wise will know and see for themselves. And this is a, an insight that one one experiences for oneself as a result of the practice. If we practice Dhamma on a regular basis, we can all we all have the chance to develop this insight. We all have the chance to abandon our own greed, anger and delusion from our minds. And get to the point where we see the Dhamma and one who sees the Dhamma sees the Buddha one who sees the Buddha sees the Dhamma sees the Sangha meaning the Vimuti Sangha the true ones who are truly liberated in their heart so please put effort into your practice try to make it your practice bring your practice to the point where your practice of dana is just normal for you to practice dana where keeping the precepts and keeping sila is just normal for you and in this way, you'll find gradually greed, anger and delusion will, will get less and less in your heart. And little by little, you start to have a glimpse of what Nibbana is like, and what you have to aim for, and that experience where the mind is really cool and free from suffering. But to do this, you need to keep practicing. So that's probably an appropriate amount of Dhamma teaching for today. Uh, So in conclusion, I'd just like to uh, express my appreciation of your efforts in the practice and wish you all success in your practice, whatever you're aspiring to, whether it's uh, to be a, a good and full human being, whether it's to attain heavenly rebirth or whether it's to attain Nibbana. May you be successful in that.